Welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, we are in the thick of it. Can you say the word? Say it. Impeachment? No, no. Oh, what? The H word. Historic. Oh, historic. I'm oh, sorry. What's sorry. wrong with you? Oh, the wrong word. I don't know. What are we queuing uh, up here? I mean, uh, <laughs> look, look, first of all, and I'm not talking about historic because we have uh, obviously the uh, third ever Senate impeachment trial of a president. I'm talking historic because at this moment in time, we have Mary Bruce joining us on the Powerhouse Politics Podcast live. Mary Bruce. Hello, from gang. Capitol Hill. Did you sleep up there? It was a late uh, night. Did you know the Senate? The, the little booth that we work out of here in the Senate is quite cozy. <laughs> cozy, you yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, um, it, so it's, it's I, been a ride. <laughs> look, anybody who has watched any of this uh, process at all, uh, I'm talking back to to the House proceedings. Anybody who's been watching any ABC News knows that Mary Bruce has been on the front line of this story, front lines, and has just been first of all working absolutely around the clock but nailing it every single day. Uh, so, Mary, thank you for oh, taking a few minutes you. to talk to That's us. That's so nice. Um, th- th- this has been unbelievable. So to, just to bring everybody up to speed, I'm sure most of our listeners were, uh, were listening until 2 a.m. Um, uh, <laughs> as the, uh, as, as, as the uh, debate over procedures uh, w- w- was unfolding on the Senate floor. Uh, but just to bring everybody up to speed, uh, the um, – there were uh, some minor concessions made at the beginning of this impeachment, uh, uh, really, I mean, before even the, the, the formal kickoff of the trial from Mitch McConnell on how it will unfold. I say minor because uh, they're going to be they're yeah. minor. I yeah. mean, they're, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they, this will go on. Uh, arguments will go on for three days instead of two days. It's still going to be 24 hours of arguments. This means Mary Bruce gets to sleep a little bit more, which is basically <laughs> the biggest uh, implication I saw out of that. And the evidence will be introduced at the start instead of requiring a vote. Evidence that, by the way, was being photocopied and distributed uh, to every senator anyway and is also already part of the <laughs> of the record in the House. So I don't think these are dramatic changes, but we had those changes. Um, but, you know, to me, the biggest story was what we're going to play right now, which is Chief Justice John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presiding over this, actually had to admonish the Republicans and the Democrats, the White House and the House managers. Take a listen. I think it is appropriate at this point for me to admonish uh, both the House managers and the president's counsel in equal terms uh, to remember that they are addressing the world's greatest deliberative body. One reason it has earned that title is because its members avoid speaking in a manner and using language that is not conducive to civil discourse. But I do think those addressing the Senate should remember where they are. And, and Mary, the interesting thing here, just so everybody, you know, is, is clear, this was an admonishment not of the senators because they're silent. <laughs> this was an admonishment of the House managers and the White House lawyers uh, that came at what, about midnight? Yeah, it, it, no surprise here. Uh, patience runs a little thin around midnight. When you're, you know, uh, when you've already been debating for some 11 hours and you still have more to go. And and we did see a lot of fireworks and frustration and fury on the Senate floor. And Roberts was speaking out because Gerald Nadler, Chairman Gerald Nadler, one of the House managers uh, and the president's 
uh, defense team, uh, Pat Cipollone, were getting a little too feisty, he thought, and, and were speaking out of turn, essentially. They were not upholding the decorum of the Senate floor. And that just goes to show how fierce the debate is. And, and let's just remind everyone, we're not debating the substance at this point. They're simply debating the rules here. This was a intense debate over how this trial is going to unfold, specifically over the question of witnesses and whether they're going to call in any additional witnesses and permit any new documents to be considered. All of these witnesses and documents, which the White House uh, has been withholding and refusing to allow speak throughout this process. Uh, We saw over and over and over again, Democrats through 11 different amendments trying to change the rules to allow this new evidence to be uh, considered at this point uh, at the beginning of the trial. And each one failed. And that's because Mitch McConnell has uh, his party united behind his timeline right now. But just astonishing that you're not even through the first day. And already, I mean, one side's calling the other side a liar, the other one accusing the other side of, you know, disgracing the Constitution. And we're not even 24 hours in. And and that's just it, Mary. So I, I heard the Chief Justice say that. And he called it the world's greatest deliberative body. And I'm wondering, can, can you confirm that? Where the heck was he? Was he and, actually in the Senate? I mean, you could <laughs> you could use a lot of words to describe the Senate yesterday and and through the, the, this process, but greatest and deliberative would not be things that are top of mind for me, Mary. These guys. They flat out don't like each other. They really don't like each other. And of course, yesterday was the first time that you've had the Democratic House managers, the, these these Democratic prosecutors, essentially coming face to face with the president's defense team. And remember, it's not just that they're all of a sudden are at odds. They have been at odds with each other for months. I mean, these are the people who, you know, Chairman Schiff and Nadler have been demanding information from the White House. And now sitting just on the other side, just feet away, are the the, the president's lawyers who have been saying no, who have been sort of turning down a lot of these requests. And so they have been, you know, at odds for weeks and weeks and weeks. And now here they are, finally, that big moment. And it really erupted. One other tidbit, which I find fascinating this morning, Senator Susan Collins was eyed on the floor yesterday, right before this moment, passing a note that then made its way up to the dais. Hmm. And it seems that, that, that Senator Collins was actually the one who pointed out that things were getting a little out of hand to the chief justice. Now, we asked her about that this morning, and she sort of with a little wink and a nod said, me, I did that. Uh, yeah, she did. And, it, it, you know, remember, Susan Collins, of course, is the one who uh, we know raised a lot of concerns about the original r- resolution, the original rules governing this trial that, that, that quickly forced Mitch McConnell to change the timeline and to, to allow the admission of the evidence that was gathered in the House investigation. So this morning, you know, Susan Collins uh, it's really certainly seems to have her, her hands at the wheel here of this trial. You know, there is a bottom line, though, as as, I, as we look at this first marathon day, not a single Republican defection. Perhaps Susan Collins might have um, encouraged a, 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 you know, a, a, on one hand, on the other hand, admonishment from the chief justice. But all of these uh, Democratic motions have gone down. And, and right, Mary, there wasn't a single nope. Republican defection on a single one of them. No. And... and- This is why Mitch McConnell, you know, is very good at sort of using his power here in the Senate, right? He's using that power to shape what this trial looks like. And he knew going into this that he had enough Republicans on board with his current timeline to be able to press ahead with this plan. Um, Now, there are, of course, you know, there's been much discussion about these key moderate Republicans who have said that they are interested in hearing from some witnesses down the road. You know, Mitt Romney has said point blank he'd like to hear from the former National Security Advisor John Bolton. 
Well, I think it's important to uh, hear from John Bolton and perhaps other witnesses, obviously from both the defense as well as the prosecution. But a interest in hearing from someone does not make uh, it's not the same thing as a commitment to want to hear from a witness. And so now the challenge is trying to keep them in line. Right. And so far last night that, it, that it's obvious that, that Mitch McConnell's got his party united behind him. But now he's got to keep them in their corner. And that's where you, you come to what we're seeing now, which is these opening arguments, because now the Democratic prosecutors are going to try to spend the next 24 hours of arguing that they have to just ramp up the pressure to make as compelling a case as possible to try and drive a wedge between uh, the president, essentially, and some of these these other members of his own party. So, Mary, we talk a lot about how the Republicans who are speaking on the president's defense have that audience of one. President Trump, who was traveling during day one of of the testimony, watching some of it tweeting. The the Democrats, it seems to me, have an audience of four. Mm -hmm. They're looking to pick off four. Uh, Collins, Murkowski, Romney, plus one, whoever that one might be. Now, it's hard to find who that fourth may be or even getting one, two or three, which gets to that procedural uh, uh, kind of half step back by Mitch McConnell. Democrats that that I was talking to said we just showed that we can beat McConnell, that there is pressure that can build on him. But there's also a a theory out there, Mary, that uh, McConnell didn't really give that much. Maybe he was prepared to give that all along as a sign to the moderates that he knows where his vote are. Uh, he's going to be attentive to that every step of the way. And he knew he was going to have to give on some small things. Yeah, you can you can argue this from both sides, right? Democrats are, are up here saying, look, yesterday sh- is a prelude. It shows that we we are able to get concessions out of the Republicans. It shows that we may be able to pick off some of these key Republican votes where, you know, on the other side, you could just say or, or it shows that Mitch McConnell's, you know, willing to meet them in the middle somewhere and is going to be able to keep their support. Only time will tell. I think what's going to be really interesting and what I'm going to be watching closely is, is the tone the Democrats are going to have to strike here. They need to not only build a compelling case, but they need to convince, right, these four, at least four of them, to get on board. Uh, and they have to be careful to do that while not, you know, finger wagging and scolding them for the way that this process has unfolded so far. Because already, you know, I've heard from some Republican sources who weren't too happy with some of the tone last night on the Senate floor. They don't want to feel like they're being, you know, spoken down to and admonished for the way that this process has played out. And Democrats have to be careful not to do that, especially when they want their support. But Rick, you raise a good point. The audience should be the the audience of four, at least to get the procedural, uh, uh, you know, get the the motions on witnesses passed. But I mean, how effective is it to have the House managers basically insulting the Senate, which happened yeah. in much of, of of what they were saying? I mean, you had Nadler actually accusing the Republicans in the Senate of being complicit in a cover up. Uh, you had the repeated statement that the Senate is on trial. I mean, they, you know, I mean, you're you're insulting the court. That you're asking to to rule in your favor, but I want I want to just get to Mary about how this will actually unfold because I'm still a little confused, and I'm hope I'm hoping that you can help me um, figure this out because the, the resolution uh, uh, governing the, the procedures for this trial drafted by Mitch McConnell says there will be a vote on wit- you know a vote on whether or not to have witnesses. Uh, the, 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 but the first vote will be whether or not to depose witnesses, um, issue a subpoena, depose witnesses. And then only after those witnesses are deposed, uh, in other words, not, in, not on the Senate floor but, but elsewhere, uh, would there be a vote on whether or not to bring them in as live witnesses uh, in, in the trial. And as, as, as we all recall, 
in the case of the Clinton trial, the the, the three witnesses, uh, Sidney Blumenthal, Betty Curry, and Monica Lewinsky, were deposed and video clips were played in the presentations by the House managers. They never actually came live on the Senate floor. But my question to you is how would this unfold if witnesses are approved? How long would this go? I assume that the depositions would take time. You probably have legal court arguments uh, about about executive privilege, um, maybe challenges to those subpoenas. Um, if there are witnesses, if there is a motion to approve the deposition of, of deposing of witnesses, I mean, it seems to me like this trial could actually go on for months, no? How long would we it take? We could be in for a very, very long haul. If Democrats get what they want, uh, weeks uh, and weeks. It's one of the reasons why Democrats say they've been, you know, they wanted all of those amendments uh, last night. It's why they wanted to, to get uh, essentially approval to, to, to or agreement to call witnesses on the front end so that they could get the ball rolling. Because if, and it is a huge if, um, but if they are able to muster enough support to call in additional witnesses, then you're in for the long haul. Uh, and by doing this, um, by having the vote on witnesses, you know, by backloading this essentially so that you're going to have your opening arguments, then you're going to have up to 16 hours of questioning from senators. Then you get to this question of witnesses, you know, there is there is an argument to be made that a lot of senators might be fed up at that point. Like, let's just get this over with. Um, you also have, let's not forget, some other critical things happening. You know, I've heard there's something going on out in Iowa, something like that. There's a State of the Union that's supposed to be happening. There's so you come up against a really on February 7th something or so. like that. Yes. You, you get up against a tricky calendar. Um, everyone here is aware of that. Um Democratic but, leaders, though, you know, they will argue that this is simply too big and too important an issue to let the political calendar become a factor. But it's tough. Uh, and if they do get what they want, then we are in for a very long slog. So if you have the vote to subpoena these witnesses and then that subpoena is challenged, I, I would assume then requiring unless, uh, you know, re- re- requiring, uh, you know, go through the courts like anything else. Uh, what what happens? Does the impeachment trial go on hiatus uh, while that gets worked out? Or I mean, do you have any idea? These are these are the. I do not have crystal clear answers for you. You'll be surprised think, oh, that there are man. a lot of variables oh, up here. I actually but, don't think anybody does. But I don't. But I was just going to say. But that's because we're in completely uncharted territory. Yeah. And of course, as you all know, once you're in an impeachment trial, everything else on Capitol Hill comes to a grinding halt, right? Unlike the Chief Justice, who still is, is doing a little bit of his day job in the morning before he comes across the street over here to the Capitol to to, to preside over the trial. Senators, this is it. This is the only game in town right now. And so if you have weeks and weeks and weeks of delay, what's going on in the interim? Um, It's really unclear. And it's why, you know, if it sounds like we're flying a little bit by the seat of our pants up here, it's because we are and everybody else is. We are very much living kind of hour by hour through a lot of this as we try to figure out what this looks like uh, and how this is all going to unfold. And Mary, big picture here. I I think it's worth just remembering what we're arguing about on the floor of of the Senate. The Democrats have long since given up the idea of 20 Republicans joining them and actually convicting and removing President Trump from office. What this is all about is whether witnesses would be called and not just any witness, witnesses who either worked before or currently work for President Trump. Mm -hmm. We're talking about John Bolton. We're talking about Mick Mulvaney. The idea that 
either of those men, or even Rudy Giuliani, another person on some of the wish list, would would be willing to throw President Trump under the bus and go out there and say, yeah, he did it and he knew about it and he was part. I just, I just think that's almost farcical to, to, to hey, imagine. John Dean was the enforcer for Richard. OK, come on. He was <laughs> – I mean, he was he was the ringleader in some ways of 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 what we saw happen in Watergate, and he turned on Nixon. So it's not impossible. Rick. John well, Bolton and- is not John Dean. Rudy <laughs> Giuliani is not John Dean. I hate to break it to you guys. It, I, it just just Mary, it feels it feels to me like they are they they don't have much else to go on as the Democrats right now as this process plays out. But these are these are kind of kind of small goals to have in the midst of an impeachment process that you hope that you're going to get testimony from people that are pretty loyal to President Trump. Yes and no. I mean, no one's under the illusion that that, that Donald Trump is going to be removed from office at the end of this impeachment trial. Uh, And Democrats know that that, as you say, is no longer the goal. The goal is to essentially do a full airing of all of the information available. And John Bolton, it's why you've seen most attention focused on him. Look, Mick Mulvaney, I mean, John Carl can attest this better than anyone, is not all of a sudden going to flip on the president. But John Bolton left under bad terms. His team has made it clear he has more to say. Uh, we don't know what that is, um, but he is writing a book. Um, we know that there is more to that story. But really, this is about, for Democrats, making sure that Americans, they feel, has the full picture and are fully aware of all of the evidence, all of the testimony of everything out there when they head into a ballot box in what, 11 months. All right, Mary, we know you have to go, and we've already taken up too much of your time. You are by far the hardest working person uh, right now, certainly at ABC, but, uh, but, but, but uh, among them on Capitol Hill. But before you go, I, I just... Um, Wanted to ask you that there's been a lot of back and forth about the rules governing uh, uh, the, the the work of journalists yeah. on Capitol Hill during this trial. Limitations placed on where you can go, you know what 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 you can do. Can you give me a give me a rundown of what of of of, of what has played out and uh, and 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 the restrictions that have been uh, that have been put on what you're doing up there? Yeah, our movements are definitely much more restricted. There's a lot more velvet rope up here right now than there is on a normal day. There's also a massive security presence. Now, a lot of that uh, comes with the chief justice, but it is astounding um, how many layers of security there are up here and how we are being limited. You know, normally, as you both well know, you can pretty much walk straight up to the Senate floor. You can't go on the floor, but you can come, you know, stand right outside those doors to catch senators as they come in and out. We're limited in that ability right now. We also, you know, can't be kind of chasing them through the subway in the same way that we used to. Um, and we can't broadcast from all from the same areas where we normally can. So we are being kind of kept in certain areas um, and the movement uh, restricted. Now, I certainly hope that does not stick. Uh, I have heard some senators saying, hey, I kind of like this, uh, to which I said, no, you don't. Um, but right. it is it's it, it's it's been an interesting uh dance because, of course, there are, you know, very valid security concerns, but we also want to make sure that we can do our jobs and, and that and, we and are allowed to get, you know, instant reaction uh, to what's unfolding on the Senate floor. And, and that is one thing. It's like, uh, as, as you covered the White House, you know, one of the, you know, one of the great symbols of, of I think, of the First Amendment, of even of our democracy is that even at the home, the residence of, of the president of the United States, you got you know grubby reporters uh, who are who are working you know just twenty thirty yards from the uh, uh, from the Oval Office uh, in, in that briefing room and on Capitol Hill the ability of reporters to go right up to uh, to members of Congress representatives senators um, you know is is one of the I think one of the great things about it. that is that is 
you know, that is the ultimate uh, symbol of our democracy is, is those are representatives of the people and you can go up and talk to them. So I, I hope those restrictions are not are not limiting you. Uh, I have noticed, though, that you have a very um, interesting spot for your uh, live um, for, for your live appearances on World News Tonight and uh, on our special reports and on Good Morning America. Well, I, well, and ABC News Live, yeah, and ABC News Live. But 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 tell me about that when that, that, that where you are because you've got that. I think a lot of people don't realize, but that that is a very cool spot. That hallway shot. Um, that, that you have, uh, particularly on World News? It's a great thoroughfare, right? So we are right on the first floor of the Capitol. There's actually a little stairwell right behind me that goes straight up, essentially, to the chamber. Um, and I get to see Justice Roberts walk by every single day on his way in and out of the trial. Um, we are on the ground floor, so we also get to see some senators. Uh, yesterday, during those those breaks, they were running up and down because right below us happens to be a, a, a small cafeteria. Yeah, <laughs> which. You know, in those 15 minute breaks, they're running back and forth. But it means that you do get a chance to see people. But you also, you know, it's pretty nice to normally we are not allowed to have cameras in there. So it is um, it is a very cool spot. Uh, to be hanging out in and to watch all this history unfold. All right, we'll get to that cafeteria. Mary, thank you for joining <laughs> us. We're going to take a quick break, come back with a very quick update on 2020, and we'll see you, uh, we'll see you soon, Mary. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. Rick, we got to go soon because the, uh, the, the trial is about to start again. But before we do, I got to ask you, because, you know, one of the great things about the Powerhouse Politics podcast is we get uh, the, the, the political director uh, right here. I agree. That's one of the great a, things. Yeah, yeah I mean, one of the great I mean things, we, yeah. we, we can ask you about what's going on. So I, you know, I've been kind of tied up covering, uh, you know, the, the happenings at the White House and the, and the impeachment trial. But I, I did notice uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton is waiting. Is she? Is she is she running again, or what's what's going on? People people are asking her all the time to run. If you if you ask her, this is one of those times where uh, a lot of folks who questioned Hillary Clinton's political instincts and judgment before are questioning it all over again. Uh, but it's also from the perspective of Hillary Clinton supporters, and I've talked to a lot of them about this. Look, she has a right to, to to say what's on her mind, and she has some very strong opinions about some people who are running for president. Wait, so, it turns so out, she she said of Bernie Sanders, who you know a guy that. Uh, I think both of us have known since he was, you know, a House member. I, yeah. I don't go back to his his days as mayor of Burlington, but I, you know, I would go back with him quite a bit. And I think what she said is nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. And she said he's been in the he's been in in Congress for a long time. Couldn't get anything done. Only had one Senate endorsement last time around. I think it was Senator Jeff Merkley, by the way. It was. But, but nobody nobody likes him. And uh, and and she went on to talk about the tactics that some of his online supporters use that he the views Bernie as Bros. the Bernie bros that he uses anti-woman in, in the context of the alleged comment uh, between him and Elizabeth Warren. It's really fascinating. This comes, she's she's got a new documentary about her about that's coming out on Hulu. It's, it's reviewing at uh, Sundance in the coming weeks. And that's where these comments came out. And uh, it's landed like a kind of a thud. But 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 wait a minute. I want to be clear. I mean, obviously, if Bernie were to win the nomination, she'd be all in and and fully supporting. Him, oh, right? interesting that you say that because she was asked that. So she did an interview with the Hollywood Reporter about that very question, and she says she's not ready to go there. And well, wait, wait, so so she'd endorse Trump. Well, what? this created this. Uh, there was an eruption uh, uh, that you saw online, and a lot of former Obama people were saying, "Now, come on!" And ultimately, she tweeted a clarification that, of course, she would endorse whoever uh, the the Democratic nominee is. But I'll tell you, man, you with know those the- kind of clarifications. I always wonder about that. So the <laughs> clarification is exactly the opposite of my original statement. Yes, she says you always wanted my unvarnished views, and I guess she gave them originally, but now she's cleaning it up and saying she would support varnishing but, them a little bit. Varnish <laughs> the opposite of unvarnished. Hey, what's fascinating? 
fascinating, John, is, look, this is a time that normally the Democrats would be at each other's throats. We're 10 days before Iowa. Uh, for, for God's you're sake. supposed I mean, to be, you're supposed right? to be fighting. This is, this is... But did you know this, John? There has not been a single negative ad invoking another Democrat in this primary process. Uh, there's been lots of anti-Trump stuff, but no Democrats got on television uh, with an ad saying, you know, that so-and-so is bad and I'm good. And yet these divisions are, are coming out in the most awkward of time. The Democrats that are, including Bernie Sanders, people that are on Capitol Hill now dealing with impeachment want to be united. They also want to be ununited. They want to fight each other because they have this big contest coming up, uh, but they know that the person who may benefit the most from that is the guy they're trying to get rid of. I don't know how you square that, and I don't think that Hillary Clinton adding her voice to the conversation is viewed by most Democrats as helpful. Now, maybe there's some three-dimensional chess game where Elizabeth Warren benefits from Could it, or maybe Klobuchar. Chess. I mean, Name the know. dimension. Maybe as yeah. many dimensions as we have front runners in this. But I, I, this is a this is an awkward time for Democrats. They are literally split between places. The, the major candidates they don't know where to be. They're split between messages. They cannot agree what this primary process is going to be settled on. They can't agree on which candidates will be part of it. They can't agree on whether and when it will end. And in this case, they're relitigating 2016. And, and it's wild to look in, at the, in the Senate chamber and you see four, four Democrats who yeah. are running for president. Let's not forget Bennett. Right. Bennett, Klobuchar, Klobuchar Warren, Warren, and Sanders, Warren and Sanders, are, Sanders. are there. and They're they... stuck, unable to speak. They are mute, imprisoned in the Senate for hour after hour, unable to go to Iowa in the lead up to the caucuses. I mean, that is just... How does that how does that affect things? Well, so senators are tweeting, which is like some magical superpower that senators have when they can tweet when they don't have when a they don't have their, in their, any their hands. Devices. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to get an update on on how that works. But this is not how any of them planned out their last two weeks of January. They are have to cancel rallies, cancel events. And it's very possible that voters give them a pass for that. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of voters that I've talked to in Iowa um, in New Hampshire who are late deciders. And they like to meet the candidates and see the candidates. And they always plan to start seeing candidates when it mattered, those last couple weeks of Iowa. They're not going to be able to see them. Wouldn't you be tempted if you were a a senator running uh, that has already come out forcefully and repeatedly for the removal of Donald Trump? Already you know exactly how you're going to vote. Wouldn't you be tempted to blow it off? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I just go to Iowa and like I mean, I mean, why you know we have to sit there and listen to, to you know to Schiff and Sekulow and and you know I mean I mean why? And you know there there was a vote or two uh, back in uh, back in the Clinton impeachment, John, as you may remember, yeah. where there were ninety nine senators present. John McCain, John McCain, John McCain skipped a lot of uh, yeah. you know a lot yeah. of days. There were often ninety nine seats filled, and 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 that was. That was a full year out. Remember, right. that was ninety nine. That was you know. She was just going to New Hampshire to to, to lay yeah. the groundwork. Yeah. I, I look. I think the it's a bit of a. Of a, of a would you game blow of, it off? Would I, you? I, I would. I would take seriously my constitutional oath. <laughs> Wouldn't you, John? You're going to blow that off. I think well, it's. A, what, what about your seriousness? The, the, the democratic process of running for president. What, I, what about the seriousness of the Iowa caucuses? I think. I think. Arguably, isn't that more important to talk to voters and and, and get your you know. Get your message out that way? I have not heard a single person that I've talked to with these campaigns seriously raise that prospect. I think it's a game of chicken. I mean, if one went, maybe two or three would, would feel like they're, they're willing to go. But they feel like there's too much downside. And if, I, I should also add, in this age of of, uh, of social media and you could do teletown halls and you could Skype or FaceTime in and you can have surrogates out there, maybe you're not missing that much. But I'll t- I talked to Mayor Pete's team about this directly. They are thrilled to be actually in Iowa, to be on the front page of the newspapers and on television 
there uh, where there can't the, the best that Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders can do right now is a hit from the Russell Rotunda. You were you were one of those guys that had perfect attendance in, in class, weren't you? As a matter of fact, I did. Yes. Yeah, How did you know that, John? Did you, I did just, you do oppo on me? This yeah, is like yeah, yeah, I, I, this, I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. All right, we we, we got to get back to the trial. That is all the time we have for powerhouse politics. And I, I got to say, I, I want to thank Trevor Hastings. I know he's he's, he's very busy this week. He's uh, he's also working on that other podcast. Our 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 our, our, our comrade in arms, uh, Brad Milkey's uh, start here. Uh, excellent podcast, by the way. Uh, so, Trevor, we thank him for doing double duty. Uh, Avery Miller, the entire Powerhouse Politics team, we will be back next week.